we do these lunch break sessions on the last Tuesday of every month and it's over the noon hour until 1 p.m. All of our sessions are recorded and we do save them and put them up on the YouTube channel, which is Christmas Tree Council of NS on YouTube and the link is there if you wanted to find it. Um, if you have any friends who would like to join our mailing list, we are setting up a new registration process so you'll get regular links, but to get on that you just need to email Brittany. Her email is posted on the screen there. It's outreach at ctcns.com. Okay, today's lunch break session is going to provide an introduction to the Certification in Christmas Tree Grading course, which is an online program that's offered through the Christmas Tree Council of Nova Scotia. So to get started, I'm going to ask you to all find your chat box. I started the conversation a little bit, so it should have popped up on your screen and had a welcome. But I'm going to ask you in that chat box, judging from just one face or one angle of the tree here, which trees, A, B, or C, in your opinion, is your favorite? You don't have to put much thought into it, just if you were going out to the stand with your family maybe, which tree would you pick to take home for Christmas? So what qualities is it that you're really looking for when you're going out to select a tree with your family? So there must be some reason that you selected B over C, Shane, or some reason that you selected C over B. Um, I don't know. I guess to to me, it just uh, it looked like a a bigger tree. My family likes a bigger tree, so right. That's a good point. So size comes into play, doesn't it? And I'm just the opposite. <clears throat> I picked C because it was a little narrower tree. Density was the other factor. Yes, density is always your main factor when you're thinking of it from a Christmas tree producer's angle, for sure. But I'm going to challenge you a little bit today to think like a consumer just for fun. So we'll get there eventually. Okay, so that brings me to here. What if I asked you which tree was the best? So that's not for your family. I want to know if this was in a competition, which tree would win? Is your answer the same? Looking at looking at tree B, uh, I'm not sure if some of the background trees are, are making that tree look bigger or, or more more dense. Yeah, that's possible. Be nice if we could get back to doing these things in person so we could look at real trees. But yeah, that's right. For now, we're just going to assume that's in exceptional density. If, if, if I was picking one for the general market, C would be my pick. Okay. The demand seems to be a little bit narrower tree. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and it's got good density. Room to hang ornaments. Room to hang ornaments. Yeah, that's a good point there, too. That's my joke with my uh, customers on the choose and cut lot. I said the hardest job of a Christmas tree grower is to pick somebody else's tree. Yeah, exactly. You're expected to pick a tree to fit every consumer you're going to have on your property. And that's really challenging when you're taking it all to market yourself. That's the fun of having a choose and cut. Yeah. The customer chooses theirs and you can have a wide variety. Absolutely. Some of you still picked the same tree that you acknowledged as your favorite, but most of the time, the best tree is going to depend on the targeted consumer, as Sherm mentioned there. So it's going to be their perception of what the best tree is to suit their family. So if they want a big tree because they have cathedral ceilings, that's going to be the best tree to them, for example. Their perception could be based on something as minute as a spot to hang like a heirloom ornament that's been passed down through their family. They might have a large ornament and they need a little spot to fit it in the tree. So that could be the difference between them walking by a premium tree for one with lighter density to make that pick. So to truly be able to find what the best of anything is, you need some criteria that provides comparison points. So I'm going to change gears a little bit here. So we have criteria for a whole bunch of products. Some criteria is designed by companies that are looking to establish their quality standard. 
And some criteria is regulated by government bodies like B for eggs, uh, which would be associated with letter grades that you probably heard of. McDonald's burgers, let's just take this as a case study and think a little bit differently. That would be an example of a company quality standard. So they keep a quality standard to ensure that their consumer expectations are met and to ensure that their consumer actually trusts them to provide the same quality sandwich on every visit. So that's one of the keys to the company's success. You know what you're getting when you go to order at their restaurant. It's going to be consistent, and therefore they've established a quality standard that you have developed in your mind over time. So usually the acceptable margin of error for a quality standard is between 5 to 10%. So I don't know how you measure your burger quality as an individual, but that 5 to 10% number is suggesting that if you get a sandwich that tastes, I don't know, 11% worse than the sandwich you ordered the last time you went through the drive-thru, you're going to be disappointed. But if it's only 5% worse, you probably won't notice. It's, uh, it's interesting that you know, when you make reference to, to something like that, McDonald's, mm -hmm. the advertisement that they do sells that product and, and, and we anticipate getting that product that they've talked about so much in front of us. <clears throat> so advertisement does a lot of that um, definition of, of what we're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. So there's an article that was actually published last year about McDonald's, and it's just a blog post. It talks about what consumers want from McDonald's based on a survey, which is most likely what they're basing their criteria and their advertising, as you mentioned, Richard, on. So this article identified five things that consumers were expecting from McDonald's. These are the top five things that consumers expect from McDonald's. First one, a simple menu. So not a whole lot to look at. They, most people already have the menu memorized. You know what your order is before you get there. Fast food, a relatively tasty product. So tasty burger in most cases. They expect a standard of customer service and cheap, low prices. They need it to be cheap. So that's it. That's the five things that McDonald's has to do for their consumers. So as long as McDonald's is meeting these five things, they're achieving the quality standard expected by their consumers that they've set through their advertising. Now let's bring it back to Christmas trees. Probably expected this. If there was an article called What Consumers Want from Their Christmas Tree, what do you think the top five things would be? Uh, you mentioned earlier there about, <clears throat> about the ability to hang some of the ornaments. The bigger ones are coming back, so people are looking for a, a good shape but a little more room in there to hang things. Yeah, absolutely. I've cut branches out of my tree before because we have um, a little John Deere tractor ornament that revolves when you stick it on a light and there's no way that's not going on the tree. So <laughs> that means a lot to people. Okay. So if we wanted to figure this out though, we wouldn't just ask a lunch break webinar session of a bunch of Christmas tree producers. We'd go to the consumers and ask them. So I faked being a consumer and made a Google search on this. And I just clicked on the blog post that I thought would appeal to somebody who didn't have any background in Christmas trees to see what they would like. And I made this little list here. So I checked out what Better Homes and Gardens magazine had to say about selecting Christmas trees. I read the Spruce blog post on tips for choosing the perfect tree. I checked out the species suggestion from Good Housekeeping, which is always reliable. And I looked at some top 10 lists from the Family Handyman blog. And you know what? There's actually some really good advice out there for consumers if you know what to click on. So to answer that question, we got quite a few of these. What do consumers want from their Christmas trees? 
there's some qualities you expect it and maybe also some you might not have expected. So in no particular order, the most common ones were size. So it needs to fit in the spot that they picked out. Usually before they go out to the lot or to the store, they've already decided what corner the tree's going in or what window it's going to go in front of, and they need to make sure it fits those dimensions so it will look nice in the room. Suitability. So that's, we talked about their favorite Christmas ornament that has to fit. And a lot of people were mentioning that if they have kids, they want something with soft brush. So people aren't looking at spruce trees if they have young children. Symmetry was the other one that they mentioned. So that's suggesting they want it to be straight and resemble an upside down ice cream cone. It was what was really common. And actually there was a couple who mentioned they wanted the tree to look like the picture their kids drew at school of an inverted ice cream cone. And they want it to last. So that comes back to freshness. It needs to be fresh if the needles are gonna last. And it needs to stay up. A lot of people have concerns about that. So it needs to either be compatible with an existing tree stand that they have, or it needs to look sturdy enough to fit into a new one. And finally, they want it to smell like Christmas, which is great news for balsam fir producers, because that was identified in most of these articles as the lead species in this area for scent. So we did fairly well, right? Let's switch back to being a grower. As a Christmas tree grower, can you fit into one sentence what your goal is? So you can say it or you can type it in the chat, but keep it as simple as you can. What's your goal as a Christmas tree grower? <clears throat> Produce a product that the customer wants as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the goal when growing Christmas trees is to grow a tree that someone will want to buy so that you can sell it. I don't, we don't need to hash that slide out. I think that's pretty generic there. So in order to do that, you need to identify what the consumer or the market is asking for. And you need to produce a product that's going to align with that market. Now, this is challenging for Christmas trees because there's a few additional components. First of all, you need to predict what that market's going to be by the time you actually have that tree grown and ready for the market. And in some cases, you might be working with a middleman or a retailer instead of the consumer, in which case the retailer's responsibility is to meet the demands of the consumer. So they might be looking for a particular product for you that's going to meet their market. And then the other option that Sherm brought up, you might have a whole bunch of different consumers coming in that need a tree that fit different markets for what they're looking for. So it's especially challenging with Christmas trees. It's hard to make a list of just those five qualities like McDonald's can, unless we do a new advertising campaign to move everybody there, but that's not really what the experience of a Christmas tree is. So we have additional challenges. So another question, how do we ensure or how do we prove that our product meets the market it was actually produced for? Yeah, happy customer. What if you're selling to a retailer? How do you prove that the product you're selling them is going to meet their consumer expectations? They, uh, they sell out early. Meet a standard. They meet a standard, right? That's where I'm heading with this. Okay. You walked right into it for me, didn't you? Thank you. How did we know that was coming? <laughs> you look at the title of this presentation? Okay. So in any business, you need to establish a quality standard and you can gauge how well you're meeting that quality standard by how happy your customers are. You're right, Richard. So just like McDonald's has done with their burgers, they have that quality standard. We've established a quality standard in Christmas trees. We call that grading. So for anyone who's joining us who's a new entrant, 
There is standardized grading systems that we operate with across the province that we use to make sure our trees are going to fit markets that we're predicting will be available. So these grading standards are based on a few different tree characteristics, and I'm going to brief over all of them quickly here. The main one, which we've mentioned a few times already, is density. So that's referring to the amount of foliage or and the branching on a tree that gives it a full appearance. So how much of that main center stem is actually covered. So you can see in that larger tree there on your right-hand side, that's got really good density. And then uh, my smaller, poor quality picture in the top right-hand corner, that tree does not have nearly as good density. That's a nice bottle brush branches on it, which adds to the density. Yeah, that's a beautiful tree. I love that one. The next standard there is taper. So that's referring to the shape of the tree. And it's usually a result of the shearing that you're doing over a period of time to get a particular height to width ratio. So that triangle that you see here, you can see there's some branches that would be outside that taper. So if you kind of envision you're going out to shear this tree for a particular taper, then you have the triangle in your mind and you're trying to shear off whatever falls outside of those lines. That's where your taper comes in. Okay, so that's our taper slide there. Okay. The next one we're heading on to is symmetry. So symmetry refers to that inverted ice cream cone shape and the straightness of the main stem mainly. So a symmetrical tree is going to be a mirror image on either side of the main stem or that blue dotted line I've drawn down the middle since you can't see the stem in this tree because of the density. That can sometimes also be called the evenness of the tree or the balance of the tree. It depends on what system's being used. Okay, defects. Defects are problems with the tree. Some of them are minor, some are more severe. They can be anything from an off-length handle to a hole in the brush to severe disease or insect presence, which you see in that tree on the top right. And we'll go over a few more of these a little later on. So some standards will also include color and usually on a range scale of green to blue. Most scales will include butt length as well and size or the height of the tree as a component. But all of these characteristics are intended to be based on the species. So specifically balsam fir wouldn't be graded on the same scales as a pine tree, for example. So with that in mind, here's the balsam fir slide. Uh, the quality expectations for balsam fir are usually to have relatively short needles and keep in mind they're comparing this to like a pine tree. Uh, the needles will be rounded at the tips, twigs will be formed in crosses, upright cones, and that Christmas scent that everybody's quite familiar with. So this is the definition of the characteristics of a balsam fir tree. I think we've already had uh, quite a bit of discussion on how accurate this description is, but this is the by the book one. So the essentially the point of the slide is to recognize that you're not judging uh, different species of trees against each other on the same scales. Okay, and here's an example of that. So the main characteristic that the species is relevant to is the density one. So the density of a balsam fir, for example, is judged quite differently than the rest of the species would be. So let's look at maybe a balsam fir compared to that red cedar at the top of that chart there. So the balsam fir, a heavy density would refer to more than 80% coverage of the main stem. So that's the main center stem running up the tree. You can see up to 20% of the stem. The rest of it is covered up with foliage and branching. But for a cedar, a heavy density would have to be at least 90% covered. So you can only see 10% of that stem 
peeking through. And it's relative to the species characteristics. So that table in particular is from the United States Department of Agriculture's standard for Christmas tree grading. So it is actually designed to be written law there, I should say, uh, which is one of the main systems that's been adopted in Nova Scotia. So this 80 to 100 uh, percent stem coverage for balsam fir for Nova Scotia will give you a heavy density in the majority of the um, Nova Scotia systems. So we're getting into that USDA Department of Agriculture grading standards now. They have three categories of grades. The first one being a premium tree, which is your best grade. Then a number one tree, which is your second best grade. And a number two tree being the third best grade. So the way that I like to think about this, particularly when I'm comparing different grades, is you have your best tree, your better tree, and your good tree. So your number two tree by USDA grade is still a good tree. Your number one tree is better. And your premium tree is the best tree that you've ever seen. So keeping that terminology in mind, I'm going to move along. This is the comparison for that premium number one, number two through the USDA grade. So red being your premium tree, associate that with first place, blue being your number one tree associated with second place, and then your third place tree is associated with the white, like a ribbon would be, and that's your number two tree, which is what's tricky about that. So in this system, the biggest decision factor is the density of the tree. So assuming that all the other conditions are met, like the trees are fresh, they are clean, heavy density trees will always fall into the premium grade, while a medium density tree or a light density tree will tend to fall into number one or two, respectively. Let's talk about missing the grade. So trees that miss the grade, these are trees that are going to be called. So you can't sell them in this grading system. They might fit somewhere else. You might have another market for them. You might have a family come in who wants a Charlie Brown tree and they go right for it. But going by this grading system, these are the trees that would be called immediately. So there's a few general reasons that can make that happen, including being severely uneven in density. If they have excessive main stem curvature, and I'll show you a picture of that in a minute. Uh, severe insect or disease damage, kind of like that red burnt out tree that we looked at earlier. Any broken stems, any physical, like mechanical damage. If there's too much foreign material, so if there's too much weeds in it, if there's a vine growing up it, they can't get out. If it has multiple stems or weak branches, and that the weak branches is usually associated with the bottom whorl. So here's a diagram. These are a few examples of some of the issues that might be considered defects in the grading system. One to keep in mind, and I'm going to point it out here, is the difference between multiple stems and multiple leaders. So multiple stems will result in calling the tree, while a multiple leader is just listed as a defect and it might lower the grade. So can you guys see when I point here? Yes. Oh, yeah. good. Okay. So your multiple stem, you can see this is almost growing another tree. There's a breakage here and it comes right off. Whereas a multiple leader, you just have a few leading branches that are competing to be the star. They're competing to be the top of the tree. So you can get away with a multiple leader sometimes. Usually that would be addressed when you're sharing your trees before they get to the grading step. But having a multiple stem will result in calling your tree. So there's the distinction there. A few other ones, curvature of the main stem. So if that's not straight, then we talked about you can't have a symmetrical tree, which is one of the priorities that consumers have identified. So. That'll get you kicked out too. Long branches, 
I don't know why they include this one. I think for the most part, that would be adjusted with shearing over the years. Um, having a broken lower whorl, that's another one you can manipulate a bit, cut the bottom whorl off. A uh, poorly trimmed butt, that's another one that you can manipulate. That's an operator error. Incomplete whorl though, that one's affecting the symmetry of your tree. So that's a more difficult uh, improvement. And a decided gap or shelf, I guess you're just hoping somebody has a big tractor ornament at this point. <laughs> so that's just in a pretty good diagram that shows some of the issues. There are far more. There's upwards of 20 different defects that are actually identified in the system. But this is some of the more common ones, I would say. All right. So here's my comparison charts. I mentioned to you earlier, there's a few systems that are in use in Nova Scotia, and there's more than this. Some growers have adopted their own system that works for their crew, and that's fine. But um, for the most part, these systems can be compared with that concept I mentioned earlier of having that good, better, best. So your first, second, third place tree, which makes this a lot easier to think about. So we just discussed the basics of the USDA grade, a premium tree in that grade, would likely be the best tree in all these other grades in Nova Scotia too, but they might call them something other than premium. And you can see how this can cause a little bit of confusion because for example, your best tree by the Lunenburg County Association is your number one, but that's just your second best tree by the USDA grade. So regardless of what system you use when you talk to other growers or you talk to retailers, What's important to keep in mind is that you need to get that definition set in stone of what's best, better, and what's good, so that you're all working off the same kind of uh, thought process, I should say. That way you're able to compare between different systems. So the Christmas Tree Council is now trying to make an effort to offer training specifically in Christmas tree grading. That training's been designed based on the USDA grading system. And the reasoning behind that is that it's widely accepted and it fits very nicely with the other grades if you go by that good, better, best mentality. But we'll talk about that a little later on. I wanna do a few practice runs now that we've had a chance to actually look at the systems. It also so, fits, with our, uh, it fits with our market to use the USDA. And uh, I like your terminology, good, better, best should apply that to all of them. Yeah, it just makes it easier to think about. It's pretty simple to come back to a chart, but if you know when Lunenberg says number one, that's your best tree. So you know what you're looking for. Okay, in our practice run, using that concept that you just mentioned there, Sherm, that good, better, best, or you can use USDA. So good, better, best would be two, one premium, premium being the best under the USDA grade. Enter the order of the trees in the chat box or shout them out if you're feeling brave and we'll see how well we do here. A comment, Jay? Yep. Um, when, when a tree's density is such that it puts it in a higher grade, um, you, can't, you can't downgrade it to a, to a number one or a number two if it, if it has the density other than a defect or two of a premium. No. That makes sense? Yes, it does. Okay. It does. Well, am I um, looking at the, we at get the, far, into the, the far left 
the far left is certainly a, a certainly a premium, but the one on the far right has has equal density or a density in the eighty to hundred. Okay. Yep. And we do um, in the course, Richard, we do get into a little bit of the blended grades and how those actually fit when you're out in the field and trying to fit uh, certain numbers of trees in each grade where you make those decisions. Yeah. But, but looking at this one, it would be it would be one one left or a premium right. left, one right. Premium. Premium on the left, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, a one on the one on the right and and to, uh, well, actually, I, I think a blended grade. There we get, we get into that. But, but looking at it, just one, two, and three, left, right, middle. Okay. That's the same I said there. Left, right, center. Yep. Best, better, good. Boy. Good, better, best, whatever. Yeah. It's right. not so easy to type here. There. <laughs> no. I would say the one on the left is premium, and the other two are number ones. Would you? That's, yeah. that, that, that's where I am too. That's why I mentioned about that that density. Uh, yep. Yeah, and that's fair enough. I mean, that tree that we labeled as good there in the center, it's still, I would say, it's got quite a bit of coverage over the main stem. So that's not really what I would consider a light density tree. But no, no. those we're are all good trees. Good. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're good, gooder, and goodest, I guess. Good, gooder, and goodest. <laughs> okay. Let's try another one here. Where's your best tree? Left. 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 That's right. Okay. Where's your good tree or your third place tree? Right. Yeah. Uh, that one in the middle's got some damage on it, has it? Well, I think that honestly might just be me copying that picture so many times it's getting okay. poor quality. But assuming it did have some damage, how would that change your um, selections here? Well, if what I'm looking at is damage, there's quite a lot of it on that tree, and it may be just a color issue, but uh, that, that tree wouldn't grade out at all because of the damage. Right. Okay, so this is the slide we started with. Oh. Let's do this one. Where's your best tree? Right. In the center. Right. Here we got a difference. Yeah, we do. So who said right? Sherm, was that you that said the right is the best tree? Yeah. Why do you like the tree on the right better than the tree in the center? Sorry, I'm making you all work today. Uh, yeah, I guess the size, it's, it's, it doesn't have the it's it's got bulky uh it's taper isn't right mm -hmm. although the one on the right it's got too long of branches you notice we're far more critical now since we've gone through looking at the defects yeah yes that's true when we started we really liked these trees okay any other the comments on this slide well the middle tree to me looks like it it doesn't have a nice straight top. Yeah, that does look like a bit of curvature there, doesn't it? That's true, Dave. Yeah. Yep. Still a premium tree. Yes. Can you identify any defects in these trees? The bottom whirl on the center tree looks a bit awkward. Right. A weak bottom whirl. The um, 
The one on the right looks like it might have a double top going up through there. Yeah, you're right. Double leaders. Two of them. Yeah, and that's easily correctable, though. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I don't know whose trees these are, but we had some suggestions for them. <laughs> um, this, to me, looks like it might be a shelf coming. That's definitely a hole. Okay. Uh, an aside here is that those trees in that picture uh, are displayed by hanging from the roof or the ceiling. I think that's an absolutely excellent way to display your trees if you have the capability to do that. Yeah, I think this picture is actually from Panama, if that gives you any indication. They put up uh, some specialty greenhouses for them up there. We have a garden center in Shelburne that uh, displays its trees by hanging. Really? And, uh, it, it really, you know, really shows off the tree. Yeah. Whereas most lots just have them leaning against a bar or something. Mm -hmm. The other thing we should mention that's challenging to do just through a webinar is if you're actually grading and looking at trees, you're going to be standing back and looking at all faces of the tree. So these might all be horrible on the other side. We just don't know it. Okay, move along. We've only just kind of briefly touched on the basis here because I don't want to take up too much of your time. but. Um, we started to get a good handle on uh, grading as we saw we got far more critical. Um, but if we were really to get good at this, we'd have to be practicing in a lot. So you saw, I showed you maybe nine trees today and we've already gotten better from when we started at 12.05 to 12.42. So that just goes to show you how quickly looking at a lot of different trees will change how you're grading, which is a really important concept that needs to be practiced. So I mentioned earlier that the council's offering a training program in grading. So far, the research team, which is myself, Leanna, and Jillian, who I think most of you probably have met by now, we've delivered one session of the certification in Christmas tree grading online course. Um, entrants had the option to just browse through the material for their own reference, or to write quizzes and exam, do assignments, and go for the certification. So we had about, 15 people who went through it, and we had three certificates that were issued this year. Mind you, not all of them were trying to go for a certificate. So we're going to be offering the course again online, and uh, anybody who goes through and completes those requirements is eligible to receive their certificate. That's what it looks like, and um, basically by meeting these requirements, what you're doing is proving that you're dedicated to taking some time to learn what the outcomes are for grading trees, and the certificate will soon become recognized across Nova Scotia. So it's a good use of anybody's time. So getting more into the course, what it does is cover four individual modules. The first one defines the components that make up the grades. So I started with that a little bit today. Uh, the second module covers over inspection protocols. So when you saw that diagram that I showed you with the defects on the trees, you would learn how to identify those defects by their subcodes and what it actually results in. The third module is a grading workshop or a practice session. So if we were able to give this course in person, we would be delivering that out in someone's lot and we'd actually do a practice card. But um, for now, you're ex what we expect you to do is look at videos of trees and do some, uh, basically explain why you graded it and defend your position. 
And then finally, we do a little bit of that comparison. So you learn how to compare the existing Nova Scotia grades with that USDA grade system based on the concept of good, better, best. So the course is fairly comprehensive. Uh, it's an exceptional review for seasoned growers who are used to grading trees. And it's also a really in-depth introduction to the concepts for new entrants who are interested in spending their time learning. So the details on that, we've decided to reopen the course on a quarterly basis. So the next one will be opening up again on April 1st. Once you go in and register, you're gonna have access to the materials and you'll be expected to complete the requirements if you're going for your certificate within two months. So for the April one, your course is going to be open until June 1st. The registration deadline to get in for the April 1st opening is March 15th. We'll only be taking a dozen students per term. The course is free if you are a member of a regional association or if you have a subscription to the Balsam Fur Forum. Otherwise, there will be a cost, which is new, of $40 for non-members or $20 if you're a registered student. And if you want a link to register for the course, you can email Jillian, who's a member of our research team. Her email is posted on the bottom of the screen. It's resource at ctcns.com. Or for those of you who have my contact already, you can reach out to me and I can send it along. If there's no other comments, thanks for joining us again. Um, I do have the details on the next lunch break session. Uh, there's a few here who tend to continue to join us, so I'll share those now. We are going to be moving to a registration system. So instead of waiting for an email from Brittany with the link and password, you'll be able to go in and register right from the link. Um, Brittany will still send out an email if we need to, but that'll be a little bit simpler, and then you'll get a reminder in your phone and all that good stuff. Um, next month, March, I believe, I want to say 30th, March 30th, over the noon hour, we have a guest joining us from Nova Scotia Health, and um, she's going to be talking about burnout and some of the tips you can take around mental health specific to issues Christmas tree growers would be facing, uh, I guess, um, right through December, probably a lot still happening now, so... Um, it's not as much of a technical session. I think it's still really important that we make the time to be there because even if we aren't facing these burnout challenges ourselves, we might know someone who is particularly in the harvesting season. So that will be your March session. And then we're into spring. So you can expect all things, pesticides, weeds, and bugs. <laughs>